I'm Jed. And I'm Tess. And this is a special episode of the Etsy Success Podcast. We are part of the marketing team at Etsy, broadcasting from our homes in Brooklyn. Tess, you just said this is a special episode? That's right. What's so special about it? Well, as you know, the Etsy Success Podcast usually focuses on topics that our sellers are interested in, like trends and advice and tips for improving your shop. Yes, I recall. So this episode is a special edition of the podcast for all of our Etsy community, both shoppers and shop owners. Everybody. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. (laughs) And, you know, we love sharing our seller stories on our blog, The Etsy Journal. So today we want to bring a similar experience to our listeners. Ah, So instead of reading it with your eyes, you're going to listen to it with your ears. Precisely. So what do we what do we got to listen to today? Well, today we're listening to Dana Isom Johnson, our trend expert. She's going to interview an Etsy seller named Alicia of the Etsy shop Lingua Nigra. Alicia makes really beautiful nature inspired jewelry out of brass and silver and gold. Yeah, they are. Uh, It's very beautiful. It's the details or the the patterns are very intricate mm-hmm. and there's like a, a roughness to some of them that's um, very appealing. Yeah. And one thing I think is especially cool about her shop is how she offers so many styles. So if you're holiday shopping right now, as you should be, you can find something for someone who likes delicate, finer pieces, someone who goes mm. for statement jewelry or someone who prefers a more classic look. Just so many options. That is wonderful. We hope you all enjoy this episode. Take it away, Dana. I am so excited to chat with one of my personal favorite Etsy sellers, (laughs) Alicia Goodwin of the incredible Lingua Nigra. Welcome, Alicia. Hi, Dana. Hi, everyone. Hi, Etsy world. First of all, I want all of the listeners to know how much a fan I am of Alicia's. I wear at least one of her items every day. So to kick things off, let's introduce our listeners to your expertise. Alicia, let everyone know how long have you been a seller on Etsy and what do you make? I've been on Etsy since the Stone Ages, since we were writing on uh, stone tablets, uh, since 2007. Anyway, I make uh, I make jewelry. I'm a jeweler, and I make unisex jewelry, but mostly women, femmes. Uh, and I also um, want to start doing, I have a little bit of um, home goods. I make like little tiny containers <laughs> uh, and hopefully wall hangings. But I say that every year, and I haven't done it. The wall hangings are just going to be like big jewelry. It's going to be like gigantic, <laughs> like gigantic earrings. <laughs> Alicia, like honestly, I... <laughs> You know, we're we're all we're all virtual right now, but I just jumped out of my chair for those who um, cannot see me. Um, but you know, I think what I love so much about Alicia's jewelry and what I can't wait for um, in this pending home line is all of the intricate detailing that you have in your metalwork. It is just. It's, it's like nothing I've seen before. Every piece looks different and unique. It almost looks like she takes a brush and um, brush strokes hot metal herself, but it, it's just incredibly beautiful. So let's, let's talk a little bit about how you would describe your design aesthetic. 
Um, my design aesthetic is very uh, nature inspired, very natural, very organic. That just like really nice, hand, like the hand of things and seeing how that person worked. It doesn't have to be super perfect to be really beautiful. I can see that. And it's so like, I'm a lover of all things gold, but you also make silver things as well. But your jewelry almost like takes you back in time also. Like the, the way that the metal looks, it kind of looks like an antique piece, a piece that has lived many lives, but is also brand new and shiny. I mean, I just, guys, you don't have to understand. I can go on for days and days and days because I love it so much. But were, were you always a jewelry designer? Did you start making other items, especially as you start talking about maybe getting into home design or home decor items? So let's talk about how you even got to the place that you're in now. I have been, when I was a kid, I, I did a jewelry class uh, at Kennedy King College uh, in Chicago, I'm from Chicago. And um, it was really great to learn how to like make rings and wrap wire. And after that summer, I caught the bug. It's funny, I just looked up the place where I used to buy stuff. It was called Frank's Nursery and Crafts, which is weird, but I'm, I, if it was still open, it would just be booming right now. It was a nursery, you had your plants, and then you could make jewelry and other craft things. So I, used, I would get those beads and stuff, and the next year, I sold being the hustler, the baby hustler that I was at like 11, I sold the jewelry. Before that, I was selling mood rings, but I, that, I didn't make those. Um, but then I thought I was going to be a fashion designer. I, th I thought I could, I mean, I thought I could sew. I was sewing. And all through high school, um, I really wanted to be a designer. Uh, so I went to school for it. I went to FIT. And, uh, yep, FIT alone times two. Um, yeah, and I, I, I got my degree in fashion, but for some, I just, I interned at a few places and it was not, I interned in one place. It was, yeah, it was a no for me. <laughs> yeah. It was a solid no. I was like, oh, okay, this is like, something's telling me this is, this is your future and this, you're, you're not, you're no. So yeah. I didn't really have a game plan. I just knew that I couldn't do fashion, but I still wanted to do something creative. And um, my mom was paying for school, thankfully. And I knew I had <laughs> like 365 days left on that. So um, I was thinking, okay, what, what else what else could I do? Especially at FIT, it's such, you could get lost. I mean, there are people who don't graduate because there's so many classes you can take and so many degrees that you start and stop. And I took a million classes. Uh, so across the hall was the jewelry, the jewelry studio. And I was like, you know what? I like jewelry. I should do that. And I remember telling one of my friends, and he was like, you should have been doing that in the first place. I'm like, really? never thought that I, I would never you you couldn't tell me I wasn't going to be a, a fashion designer you couldn't tell me but I I went into the program and um it was hard because uh it's a one-year program I got I applied I got accepted and the one-year program is four semesters in two so it's really oh. yeah it's really accelerated I have two jobs I made it happen <laughs> wow. and, yeah and then after that I just I just kept on I, I used the Two techniques that I really love to do during that program, uh, which is acid etching and reticulation. And I just worked on that with my own work. And then I worked for, as I worked for other people, I would use their benches. This woman, um, I worked for her for a year and a half. I would use her bench after um, she worked in, it was a live work in Clinton Hill. Afterwards, I would use do that and then walk home, walk all the way home to Crown Heights. And yeah, just 
work on her work on her stuff and work on my stuff and then just either I don't know I really I, at that time I didn't have an end goal I just knew I wanted to make things and I, it was cool because I was learning a lot from her and her business uh, but then people would stop me on the street and like literally stop me on the street or on the subway and ask me where I got my stuff from I had the coins I had coins at the time um, I had these really cool coins from when I was 11 I went to Spain for the World's Fair so I had all these pesetas and I made them into gigantic earrings. And people would also stop me in the street. And New York being the international place it is, mm-hmm. um, they would give me coins in their country. It was just so random. Like, oh, look, I have these coins from Jamaica. I have these coins from Russia. Here, 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 make jewelry. Here, there you go. These aren't worth anything. From that, I made, I started with coin jewelry. And eventually, uh, like 2005, I got a full-time like office job, but still in jewelry. This is after working for several really great designers and makers in their studio. From there on, I found from the full time, like I worked at Lee Angel and they were still making things in New York. So or New York and Rhode Island. So that's how I found a caster who I'm still with to this day because he, he was so you just remember people who not believe in you, but who give you a chance. And I asked him, oh, do you have any minimums? And he said, no, you can make one thing and I don't care. And I was like, OK, a lot of people weren't like that. It, it definitely helped me. It helped me to grow. And when I worked with the the first woman who had her own line, she had a sales rep. And her sales rep, <laughs> who I still see at shows, ah, she, the, the, my boss was having a hard time fulfilling the order. And she said, if you fulfill this order, I will help Alicia out. I will give her a wholesale <laughs> order in Japan, which I don't know how I got involved in this. I guess because I was making everything for her. And so she got me the whole to order in Japan and I made it. And then they returned everything because everything looked different. Like the left and the right looked different. See, they weren't, they weren't ready. They weren't, they they weren't, weren't ready. They weren't. They, the weren't. they yeah. weren't. Yeah. But here's the thing. I mean, it's, it's so crazy to hear your journey to getting to your true passion. Right. And it's almost like, you re-answered the call of your 11-year-old self. Your 11-year-old self knew exactly what she wanted for grown-up Alicia, and then you just came back to that. So can you just give our listeners a sense of what makes your process of making your jewelry so unique? I have a few different techniques to get to my end result. One is wax carving. Okay. So there's this thing, jeweler's wax. Back in the day, it was beeswax. So if you go to the museum and you see all this beautiful jewelry from like Mesoamerican era, it's usually made out of beeswax and it's the lost wax process. Now it's like a big block of wax that's hard, harder, and it comes in these different hardnesses. And you carve. It's just like carving almost like sculpting clay oh. so you, it's a reduction method but it's nice because you can add on wax if you want to it's really forgiving it's probably the cheapest way to to create jewelry because you can sit and make an entire collection and not <laughs> not cast it so with that i'll make rings and hoops and then i'll i'll get that cast in brass um i'll send it out and somebody will cast it in brass and then i'll i'll paint when it gets back i'll finish it make it smooth and then i'll paint on it just random textures with black paint. This is a really a thicker paint for acid etching. And then I'll set it in acid and the acid will eat, eat away whatever I, have, I hadn't painted on. 
Oh, so that's what makes the texturized yeah. kind of look and feel because for, for you guys who will soon purchase some of Alicia's things, <laughs> I'm sure you're going to fall in love with it like I have. When you run your fingers over it, like I'm touching my favorite hoops right now, you feel texture. You feel like like there's something added or subtracted now that I've learned this process. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that's what makes the design so unique. And I have the same earrings that I'm wearing now. I have bangles in the same design and you can feel the different layers of texture. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And with the earrings you have, you have on the large poetic hoops, I'll get a sheet of acid. So that's the wax was number one. And that's if I want something really not super dimensional, but I just want it to curve and move in a different way. I'll make it in wax. And then I'll also get a, a, like a sheet of brass, like kind of like a piece of paper, but thicker. And I'll paint on the front and the back and I'll set that in acid and then I'll bring that out and then clean it. So take off the, um, the paint. And then it'll, that's what, so that's how you have your the texture on that and the bracelets. And from that sheet, I'll cut out different shapes, like the hoops, or if I want to make another bracelet, I'll make a longer strip and then I'll form it and then I'll send it to my caster and he'll make a mold of it. And then he makes multiples and then brings, sends it back to me. And then I clean up everything, which is what I've been doing for like 20 hours. Oh. I took a little nap. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll clean up everything. I'll solder things. Then I'll send it to my gold plater. So those are two two different ways to get to one technique, which is the the um the acid etching, yeah. and then the third ish, but really second technique is um, reticulation, which um is the separation of alloys. So in sterling silver, you have sterling and copper. In brass, it's uh, copper and zinc to get that really pretty gold color. And since copper and zinc they're mixed together. Uh, when you heat them up over a certain period of time, the, the metals separate. And as they separate, they make these really pretty mountains and ridges. And it takes forever and it gets really hot. And I, I, I do it in batches. Like, I don't do it all the time, but I'll do a huge, gigantic sheet of it so I don't have to do it for years. And then yeah. I'll just cut out all these different shapes from it. Sometimes you won't even see. So it kind of looks like almost like a Sharpay skin or like a Rex, <laughs> like a, a cat, like a Rex cat skin or, or topographical map to make it sound prettier. <laughs> so I'll cut, I'll cut out those different shapes or I'll just look and see what the shapes want to be and then cut them out. And so like the top of, I have these really, these really pretty little earring shower of faith um, that have like fringe, that little, it's like a little half crescent. That little half crescent is reticulated. I have, a, yeah, so it's it's a little, it's either or, it's it's like a flat, it's flat, but it's also dimensional. Now that I get to hear this process, like one-on-one -on -one and, and really hear about it, Alicia, you really are part scientist, part jeweler, because mm -hmm. this is a very technical process and you know i think you know one of one of the other reasons that i love your jewelry so much is that it truly does feel like each item is one of a kind and made made yeah. just at least i feel like it's made just for me yeah. uh, but i'm sure other people feel the same way too and uh speaking of the these other people as much as i like to consider myself as your number one fan you do have uh quite a few other people with some large followings who are of the the celebrity uh, clientele, would you be able to share with us who some of those celeb favorites are? 
Um, some people, uh, it's been a while, but uh, Ava DuVernay, a little known director. <laughs> little has, known. Has, has, yeah, she she has she has quite a few Lingua Nigra pieces. Amanda Seals uh, wears uh, Lingua Nigra, and she has the same hoops as you have one, and she wore them for her HBO special, which was really nice. There's some good press. I, I yeah, there's some good press. I have <laughs> have some good stylist friends who get my work on some amazing people who I love. Uh, Guapelli, Macy Gray. That was a wow. really amazing shoot. So I know I'm forgetting people, but yeah, it's fun to see the work out there. I will. I yeah. won't. I won't lie. I will, it's it's really fun to see that. It's kind of trippy. I'm sure it's pretty awesome. I mean, to see your hard work not only pay off just in terms of sales, but also to be on people that you admire and you love and that they spread the word as well. But as the years have gone by, you've also, of course, been featured on Etsy many times, whether that's email <laughs> blasts or featured shop, um, and also through magazines and websites, all that as well. But with all of this exposure, what, what did that really do for your business? And then what was one of your most proud moments in terms of features? I think the featured seller that was great, that was something to like aspire to for so long, just because back in the day and being part of an Etsy team, it was just something cool to see. Also, because you didn't know, you know, like one of your good friends would be on it and they, would, they wouldn't tell you until they were on it. Like, surprise, guys, I'm a future <laughs> seller. Like, oh, you didn't tell me. This is so amazing. Um, and it's just such a game changer because you get to be in front of so many eyes. But also, it's just really cool. Yeah. And for, for our listeners who are like, I want to see her featured seller <laughs> post. Uh, don't worry, we will link Alicia's features within this episode so you too can check out her incredible features that she's had along the way, as well as, of course, look at all of the incredible items that she <laughs> offers. But still on the memory lane tip, you know, one of the things that I I love so much about being a part of our Etsy community, both as as an Etsy employee as well as just a shopper, is that... I think about the fact that we just met off of me purchasing your jewelry <laughs> um, and then built a relationship and became friends yeah. after just purchasing. And I think, you know, I'm not the only one who has great memories of being a loyal customer to, to an incredible seller on Etsy. But I'd love to know from your perspective, like what's been one of the most memorable stories from a customer? Oh, there have been a few people who message me about um, wanting something that I either don't have in stock or something for their wedding. One specifically, uh, someone wanted earrings for her wedding. And it was nice because she took pictures. That was the best part. You know, and it's it's not just, I'm not just, I mean, I'm selfish, so I am making all the jewelry for myself. I just happen to make a living off of it, which I'm very fortunate about to do. But it's so trippy to know that this is literally coming from my thoughts and it's on this woman's ear and she wore it on one of her most special days ever, you know, something she maybe planned years ago. Um, so it's cool. I feel like I'm, I'm at her event. I feel like I'm at everybody's event and uh, it's jewelry, such an emotional thing and it's such an emotional purchase. And even if you're not purchasing it for yourself, 
it's nice to know. And people will message me like, this is for my sister or my daughter-in-law, you know, you know, here's a message. Can you leave, you know, can I leave this message? And it's just cool to know that that person's thinking of them and using my work as, you know, that, that extra something to say, I love you, or I'm thinking of you, or mm-hmm. you're really special to me. So yeah, in general, you know, I don't, I, I think about it. It's nice to think about it like that. Because sometimes I have to reel, I have to think, I have to reel it back when I'm, you know, about to cry. No, I'm kidding. I'm not. <laughs> oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, no. So it's it's really cool. So yeah, the woman with her wedding, the most re- the recent purchases, uh, looking at all like the, the feedback and the comments just from the past two months have been really nice. Just really, really sweet. Especially with like my delays, post office delays, supply delays. And people were like, oh, it's, it was worth the wait. Oh, this is so great. I'm so excited to wear these, you know, so. I think it's important for shoppers to really take a step back and understand that when they're purchasing on Etsy, you are purchasing with a real person. Like we are, ta- I am talking to the maker right now who is responsible for making the incredible items that I love to purchase and all of the work and dedication, all those techniques that we were just talking about that is not a overnight process. Not at all. That process takes love and care and dedication and is not, you know, an overnight slap in a box type of thing. It takes time. I think a lot of times it's it's important for people who shop on Etsy to really understand that this is not coming off a commoditized shelf. This is coming from a real person who's poured their love into the to the item. And you know, earlier we were talking about all of the features that you've had and all of the the recent like rise in, in visibility for you. And you know that, you know, as a brand, as a global brand, we've always tried to strive to have a diverse marketplace that reflects the diversity of our world. It's what makes Etsy so special because we are in fact global. And also, as you know, for the past couple of years together, with you and many other sellers who I've worked directly with, we created the Editor's Picks page that was dedicated to supporting Black-owned businesses. And I just wanted to know, you know, you, you kind of alluded to it a bit, but have you really seen a major difference in support from the community um, since that page has launched? Oh, definitely. I have definitely seen more support. I'll get uh, just love and messages and uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it definitely, it was definitely a game changer. It was very much a surprise, you know. I knew, I mean, I, I knew from, at least from the newsletter, okay, I'm going to be in it because I, I did a quote. Like, okay, you know, a few sales. I'm not, I wasn't, it's not that I had no expectations, but I just didn't think it was going to be blown out the water. I was going to be blown out of the water and I was. So, um, yeah, it's just like the notes of encouragement and support have been really great. I'm so happy to hear that uh, because I think now more than ever, not only do people want to step outside the box of sameness, but they are also very conscious of the types of business that they support. And now and every month is always a time to support Black-owned businesses. And so I was very happy to hear the positive reaction that you heard from from our buyer community. And look, I, I may be biased because it's always like 
shopping on Etsy feels different than it does any other platform because again, I am talking to the person who made my earrings right now. We are friends. Yeah. You engage with your customers on a whole nother level on a day-to-day basis, right? So how do you think shopping is different on Etsy than on other platforms? Oh, wow. On other platforms, you don't know who the maker is, if that's true. Uh, and Etsy, um, you can show, you, they're like little snippets and stuff. You can see if you want, if the buyer, if the maker wants to add what their studio looks like, which is nice. You can see how they write the descriptions and how it's made. You can ask them questions about how it's made. And so that's really nice. It's nice to just develop a relationship and you don't see that on other platforms. It's more about buying and selling, if that makes any sense. You know, not, not oh, I made this with my hands and maybe the help of a few other people. Here's the story behind it and this is why I did it and this is how I did it. So I'm quite the shopper on Etsy. So uh, I'm right with you on that. You know, and it's, it, it is nice. And it's really great to just see how all these people make these niche markets and places for themselves. They carved out something like this, this one company I bought during quarantine. I needed, I needed a model and obviously I can't have a model here in my studio. So I looked on Etsy to get silicone ears and noses and it worked out. It was really great. The, the seller, I found a few sellers. The one seller was able to make it in brown skin tones, which is very important. That's what I wanted. And it, it just really worked out. So you can, you can find everything, almost anything on Etsy. That is just, that, that is so interesting because, you know, I don't think about things like that on the maker side, right? Because yeah. I, as a personal experience for me, I want to make sure I can support independent makers however I can, right? So for me, it was like, all right, I just bought this incredible piece of artwork by this shop named Art by Monday. It's a beautiful piece of artwork. And I wanted to make sure that the frame that it was in was not just a typical regular frame. So I searched Etsy for a custom made frame. Me and the shop owner were talking about like the size and, oh, can you send me the link to the the art that you just purchased so we can make sure we get the right thing. When I think about the fact that you said, oh, I'm a jewelry maker and I need silicone ears. <laughs> what? Like I would never even, that doesn't even come to mind, but it's really a true testament to how people who support independent makers want to do that full circle. Whatever you can, you want to be able to support and uplift each other's businesses and whatever it may be, right? So I think about my role here at Etsy is, of course, to um, spot trends that people like yourself are coming up with and and the rest of our incredible community um, are creating on a daily basis. But as the maker yourself, I'd love to ask you about any trends that you have recently created that you want to be a trend so that's like on the forefront or or things that you've seen um a trend that you've seen that you now want to incorporate within your product line oh man um i think the indigo like shibori trend if it if it is uh is still going strong yeah natural dyes in general you know people are trying to use less toxins and things and so that's been really cool so i use um i have one earring they're called eight light earrings 
and it, they're like a little cone shape that I, I carved out of wax. And then I got cotton uh, yarn and I hand dyed. <laughs> I don't know why I'm like, I have time, but I hand dyed all this yarn and indigo and then I made a little like tassel from it, a little pom pom. And then I, I, it goes inside of it. So that's a really cool way, like a little pop of color against the gold. It looks really pretty, but yeah, in general, <laughs> I mean, I wish I could incorporate like a gold fanny pack. That's, that's <gasps> my thing buying fanny packs, but there's still like a, a, a hoop thing that's always going um, and uh, just fringe and more, I mean, just because of Zoom and everything, just more big statement earrings I'm seeing. So I have a, I've, I'm like looking at my bench from where I'm sitting now. And I just, there's so much, there's so many things that I want to add on and put into the world. Alicia, my girl, I can't thank you enough for chatting with me today, sharing your inspirations, the ins and outs of one of my favorite brands, my favorite people. <laughs> Um, but I want to end this with something fun. I want to do a quick lightning round of creative options. All right. Okay. Down? Yes. Okay. Here we go. Very quick, but just first thing that comes off the bat. Okay. Hot glue gun or drill? Oh, ah, hot glue gun. <laughs> Crochet or embroidery? Crochet. Florals or geometrics? Florals. This is a tough one. Earrings or necklaces? Earrings. Bacon cakes or bacon clay? Ooh. Mmm, bacon clay. Nice, nice, nice. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like I gave you like some ones that you really had to ponder. So I appreciate that. But thank you again for joining me and to our listeners. To shop Lingua Nigra, you can check out her Etsy shop at Lingua Nigra. That's L-I-N-G-U-A-N-I-G-R-A dot Etsy dot com. You can also see her story in our feature shop series on the Etsy blog. We will link to everything, including Alicia's Instagram. Thank you again, and we will chat with y'all soon. Thank you. Thank you. This was fun. That's it for today. Again, Alicia's shop is called Lingua Nigra. That's L-I-N-G-U-A-N-I-G-R-A. We've linked to it in the description for this episode. Thanks for listening and stay safe out there. We'll see you next time.